Welcome to the Seashore Church Message of the Week. This message is designed to bring more of heaven into your world today. For more resources like this, or to learn more about our church, visit seashorechurch.com. I just want to pray really quickly and chat with you guys about worship. So, Father, thank you so much that you are here, Holy Spirit. We just welcome you to come. I ask that every single person here would hear whatever it is that they need to get the breakthrough that you have for them tonight. And I just thank you for the opportunity to share with our community about worship. And uh, I just ask that you would be glorified and make yourself known here tonight even more. In Jesus' name, amen. I heard Chris Valjean pray, bless the speaker. And so I was like, hey, if he can do that, I can probably do that too, right? So bless the speaker. Um, so I want to talk to you guys about worship that changes the atmosphere. And I feel like this is the type of thing, the type of phrase that can get thrown around in sort of charismatic type community that doesn't really get defined, kind of like anointing. It's like, ooh, what is that? You know, so we're not going to talk about anointing. That's a topic for a different day. But atmosphere, I want to help you guys really understand what this means and how we can utilize this in our day-to-day lives. So when I look up atmosphere in the dictionary, it's defined as the pervading tone or mood of a place, a situation, or a work of art, which is pretty cool, or the air in any particular place. So our atmosphere is the air we live in. It's what we're breathing in and out every day. It's kind of the vibe of how we're feeling, um, and it sets the tone for our daily experiences. So have any of you guys ever had someone come up and talk to you and they are super bitter, jaded, angry, or maybe they're anxious and nervous, and you walk away being like, why do I feel so anxious now? Or like, oh, why do I feel that like jadedness? Or on the totally opposite side of the spectrum, you could talk to someone who's super happy and optimistic and excited, and you walk away and you're like, yeah, life is good, woo. Like you're being affected by their atmosphere, right? By their tone, by the, the air that they live in is affecting your atmosphere. So I think that should tell us something about what atmospheres are and how they can affect us and the fact that there can be different ones and interacting with other atmospheres can affect our own. So what are things that affect the atmosphere? There's a lot of different directions we could go with this. So some things might be the land or the area that you're in. It could be, have you ever walked into a store that just feels weird or somebody's house and you're like, oh, this is something's off here, you know, or, or a certain area of town or even certain states or regions or places can have kind of a weird vibe um, that can have to do with the atmosphere. Different life circumstances can affect our atmosphere. Things that you watch or listen to, people you interact with, all of those things can affect your atmosphere. I've definitely had, I've lived with lots of different roommates over many, many, many years, and I've had times where the movies that my roommates will watch will affect the atmosphere of our house in not necessarily a positive way. And so all of those different things can affect our atmosphere. Um, One kind of fun example, and to give you guys a little bit of a background on my uh, history with worship in general, is I come from a really big family. I have four younger brothers, and uh, there was a season where my family hosted something that we called Family Without Borders. Sort of started accidentally because 
we invited this guy and his friend over for dinner, and he played music, and we played music, so we worshiped afterwards, and we're like, cool, that was fun. And then he showed up the next week and brought other friends, and he's like, we're here for dinner and worship, and we were like, oh, cool, guess this is what we're doing now. And like literally every Monday night for about eight years, my parents hosted an average of about 40 people a week. Sometimes it was over 80. Sometimes it was 15. It really, really varied. Um, Their house is not that big. So genuinely, it was just my parents being super generous with their space. We had people, we would have these big uh, high school linebackers that would come in and dance and worship, and our floor would just be like undulating. So someone brought in and made braces to go under our floor so it wouldn't cave in. <laughs> like, it was quite the community effort. Someone brought us a sound system. Like, it was a whole, it was a whole thing. But it was really, really special. It really uh, made an impact on my life, and a lot of my friends from that season still talk about uh, how special that time was. But what was really amazing about it is that we had probably three or four hours of worship in our living room every week. And um, when we first started, we were all in college, so we would start worship at 7 and end at like 2 a.m., and eight years later, we would be done at like 9. <laughs> um, so, you know, it kind of it varied how long it would go on for, but many, 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 many hours of worship were happening in our house. And every once in a while, maybe two or three times a year, we did 24 hours of worship where we would just, different people would come and play all day. I remember one time waking up in the middle of the night and a guy was playing upright bass with a bow in the middle of our living room. Pretty much everyone was asleep. He was playing by himself. There was no singing. It was just the sound of the vibration of this bass, like vibrating through our whole house. It was amazing. And so having these extended times of worship also made a huge difference in the atmosphere. So we could tell a difference in our family, like, oh my gosh, we have this 24-hour worship thing, and all of a sudden it just feels different in here. And I remember, because five kids, like, you fight with each other sometimes, so I remember people would, like, start bickering about something, and you would feel the atmosphere in the house start to change. And people would be like, hey, stop, you're, you're ruining the atmosphere. And, like, they would stop, or we would be watching some TV show, and we'd be like, oh, this is changing the way the atmosphere in our house feels. Like, we should turn it off. And I know that can sound religious-y, and I'm not trying to make any rules around, like, what you watch or whether or not you can have arguments, but you can establish an atmosphere in your house of the presence of the Lord that's tangible that you can sense and that you can cultivate. And then you'll, you'll start to notice, the more used to living in that atmosphere you are, the more you'll start to notice when it shifts. And then you can adjust based on that. So um, with that in mind, what, what is our ideal atmosphere then? Like, what is the atmosphere that we should be aiming to have in our lives? If there's good atmospheres and bad atmospheres, how do we know what good looks like or feels like, and how do we get it? I would reference Jesus. He told us how to pray, right, in the Lord's Prayer, we call it. And he said, on earth as it is in heaven is the goal of the kingdom of heaven, right? Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So heaven is our example of the atmosphere that we want to have in our lives. Uh, So what does heaven's atmosphere look like? We know there's no sickness. We know there's no pain. There's no anxiety. There's no fear. Uh, There's a lot of worship. And so uh, 
I don't know if we can pull up uh, Isaiah 6, 1 through 4, and it's fun because Clayton just preached on this like two weeks ago or three weeks ago on uh, the train of his robe. So we're not going to focus as much on that part, but if you didn't hear him talk about that, I recommend you listen because it was really good. So this is, in the year that King Uzziah died, I clearly saw the Lord. He was seated on his exalted throne, towering high above me. His long flowing robe of splendor spread throughout the temple. And standing above him were the angels of flaming fire. And I put in some of the footnotes so you guys could see there, seraphim or burning ones. And it says they're on fire with adoration for God. Each with six wings and with two wings they cover their faces in reverence. With two wings they cover their feet and with two wings they flew. And you can go to the next slide. Perfect. And one called out to the other saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, commander of the angel armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. And get this. I think we think of heaven as being kind of like a quiet, nice place. Like, you know, we have cartoons of like little angels drumming their harps. Yeah, no. This is the thunderous voice of the fiery angels caused the fountains of, or the foundations of the thresholds to tremble as the glory or smoke filled the temple. So this is not like this kind of building, right? Like we're talking about God on his throne in his temple in heaven. I'm pretty sure it's built really well. And these guys are singing so loudly that the foundations are shaking from the volume of their worship. So just think about that for a second. And then if we look at Revelation 4, uh, John says, you know, come up here. The angel says to John, come up here. And he says, instantly I was taken to the spirit realm and behold, I saw a heavenly throne set in place and someone seated upon it. And his appearance was sparkling like crystal and glowing like a carnelian gemstone. Surrounding the throne was a circle of green light like an emerald rainbow. And encircling the great throne were 24 thrones with elders in glistening white garments seated upon them, each wearing a golden crown of glory. And pulsing from the throne were blinding flashes of lightning, crashes of thunder, and voices. And burning before the throne were seven blazing torches, which represented the seven spirits of God. And in front of the throne, there was a pavement like a crystal sea of glass. And around the throne and on each side stood four living creatures. These are in addition to the flaming ones. So we got like throne with light and thunder and voices and flames. And they're probably like crackling, right? You know how fire sounds. And they're shouting and they're making it rumble. And now we have these other creatures who are interesting. So it says, there's four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind, and the first creature resembles a lion, the second an ox, third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. This made me laugh. I was like, specifically in flight? Like, what is the difference between like an eagle standing and an eagle in flight? Like that we would know the difference in their face. I just thought that was a little bit funny. And we don't actually know if these guys are singing in English or if they're just making their, well, none of them are probably singing in English, but if they're just making their own sound or if they're saying words. So you could have an eagle just crying like an eagle, or it could be saying words. You could have an ox making an ox sound. You could have a lion roaring, and you can have a human. You know, we don't, it doesn't say what their sound was. It just says that he understood it to be what we'll get to. So they had wings and eyes, and they worshiped without ceasing, day and night, singing, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
the was, the is, and is coming, or who was and who is and who is to come, depending on your translation. And whenever the living creatures gave glory and honor and thanks, the one who's enthroned and lives forever and ever, the 24 elders who were on their thrones fall face down before the one seated on the throne, and they worshiped the one who lives forever and ever. And they surrender their crowns before the throne, singing, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory honor and power for you created all things and by your plan they were created and exist. So just think about the, the, the loudness of this sound, right? Because you have God, he's got light and thunder. We don't even know what the voices coming out of the throne sound like. And then you have burning creatures shouting, holy, 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 shaking the foundations. And then you have living creatures saying their own holy, holy, holy. And then you have elders who are falling and they're throwing crowns on the ground. I'm sure that's loud, right? You've got these like metal crowns landing on crystal sea. Like I'm sure that makes a sound. And then they're singing out. And so there's all of this sound. It's like a cacophony of sound. And I love that it's a diversity of voices, right? They're not all saying the same thing. They don't all sound the same. They don't all look the same. They're all contributing their own sound into this worship moment of God. And so if we're thinking on earth as it is in heaven, then there's something about this that we're supposed to be connected to, that the atmosphere that's happening there is supposed to be impacting our our atmosphere here. Um, The closest thing I think I've ever been to to this type of thing is I've only been to one NFL game so far. I'm going to another one soon, but I've only been to one. And it was a pretty cool game if you're going to go to a game because it was playoffs between the Broncos and the Steelers when Tim Tebow was still a thing. And we were in basically the Bronco end zone, so they were running towards us. And it's in the, you like how I don't have a year? <laughs> I'm not a football person. It's, uh, but I remember the moment, right? It's in overtime. Our Steeler friends had bought us the tickets. We were not cheering for the Steelers. And uh, we're in Denver, so it's like a home game. The stadium is packed with people. And in overtime, in the last second, Tim Tebow runs this touchdown into the end zone. And people lose their ever-loving minds. Like, I have literally never, ever, ever, ever heard a roar of sound like I heard in the stadium. And I've been in worship with 30,000 people before, which is pretty epic, and it's pretty amazing sound. But this was, I don't know, 70,000 people? I don't know how many people are in a football stadium. It was a lot of people. And literally, the roar of the crowd was so loud that, like, 20 minutes later when we were at our car, you could still hear it basically, like, shaking the stadium. Like, you could feel the vibration of the roar of the people in your feet because it was so intense. And so, like... That is the type of intensity of worship that we're supposed to be connecting to. There's actually, I'll get into it a little bit later, but there's one of the Hebrew words for praise is halal, which is like to shine or rave or be clamorously foolish or act madly. And I love all of my sports fan friends, but like think about how you respond when your team wins. 
you probably are a little clamorously foolish, right? You get excited. And like, that's the picture, one of the pictures of what worship can look like. So I want to expand our idea of like what worship can look like, because if you're supposed to have a diversity of voices that are singing about and bringing these different sounds, it doesn't all look like someone standing on stage playing a guitar. A lot of it doesn't look like that. That's a piece of it. And there are words for praise that specifically mean like pluck the strings of your instrument uh, and sing. But there's other words for praise that mean things like freak out because God is awesome and like it doesn't have to look so reserved. Does that make sense? So um, how do we access the atmosphere of heaven? Like if this is the atmosphere we want, this is our model. Oh, and I want to note two quick things about what these guys are singing. So they're singing two kind of themes, right? Worthy because of what he's done and holy because of who he is, right? There's two kind of themes because it's like holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. This is who he is and holy, holy or worthy, worthy because you can see you created all things and by your plan they were created and exist. You know some cool thought that I had while I was reading this? Part of the created things that those elders are worshiping him for includes us. So like all that crashing, whatever, they're looking out at the earth and they're seeing what God is doing on the earth and who he created in us. And they're like, oh, worthy, you know, that's pretty cool. But there's, there's some themes that we can, we can model after. So how do we access this atmosphere? So in the Old Testament, they access God through sacrifice, right? And we know that now we have access through Jesus. So if you look at Hebrews 10, 19 to 22, and I'll admit, I didn't actually know this verse. I, I thought it was really, really um, cool. I got revelation reading this verse for myself. So it says, now we are uh, brothers and sisters in God's family because of the blood of Jesus. And he welcomes us to come right in to the most holy sanctuary in the heavenly realm, boldly and with no hesitation. For he's dedicated a new and life-giving way for us to approach God. For just as the veil was torn in two, Jesus' body was torn open to give us free and fresh access to him. And since we now have a magnificent king priest to welcome us into God's house, we come closer to God and approach him with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance from him. For our hearts have been sprinkled with blood to remove impurity, and we've been freed from an accusing conscience. And we're now clean, unstained, and presentable to God inside and out. So this is how we get into that room, right? Like we're hearing about this incredible throne room with all this stuff going on, and we get to come in because of Jesus, because of what he did, because of his sacrifice, and the way that he made for us. And I love this, that he ushers us right in. And that we can come with confidence, with an open heart, fully convinced by faith that nothing will keep us at a distance because he's made a way for us to be clean and to come close. Um, another version of that is in Hebrews 4, which I don't, didn't give you guys a scripture for. It's probably a little more familiar. Like we boldly approach the throne of grace with confidence. And Ephesians 2.6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly places. So Jesus made a way for us to come. He is our sacrifice. And I found a really interesting thought around this idea of sacrifice because worship is a sacrifice for us. There's verses that talk about bringing a sacrifice of praise. And when I was thinking about worship this week, I was thinking about the fact that it is a choice. 
Worship is active. You cannot passively worship. You can't be like, yeah, God, you're cool, like, whatever. You know, you have to fully engage yourself in worship. And something that is interesting to me about worship and changing the atmosphere, that I think sometimes the less we feel like worshiping or the less connected to all of that we feel, the more we need to and ought to do it because worship is our connection into that place. So if you're not feeling like worshiping, then worshiping may be your way to get to feeling like it. Does that make sense? (laughs) And so... I thought this was a super interesting verse in Hebrews 13, 15. I think you guys have it. You guys are on it tonight. Thank you, Liam. Uh, It says, we no longer offer up a steady stream of blood sacrifices, but through Jesus, we will offer up to God a steady stream of praise sacrifices. These are the lambs or the fruit of our lips that we offer to celebrate his name. So our offering that we bring, like we don't need a sacrifice to connect us to God or give us access to the sanctuary, but we do still bring him an offering, and the offering that we bring is out of our mouths. It's the fruit of our lips. It's like the lambs in a sense that we offer. And uh, this is an interesting way to think about Romans 12, because I think we're really familiar with that. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice holy and acceptable to God, which is your spiritual worship. If your body is part of your living sacrifice and your spiritual worship, I mean, you are offering it when you do this, when you do this, when you sing. You're offering your body as a sacrifice of praise. Like, it's not just your mouth. It's not just your words. It's actually your being. Um, So looking at this idea of not being able to worship passively and that uh, earth is the only place where we can choose to worship, something to think about with heaven in this atmosphere, all of the elders, all the living creatures, they're not choosing to worship necessarily. I think that it's involuntary for them. Like you're in the presence of God and you see him and you just worship. Like, you don't even, there's no thought. You're not like, oh, I kind of knew that about you already. You know, like, there's no, there's no thought. There's no evaluation. There's no, you're just, you see him and you fall on your face. It's so involuntary. It just comes out of you. And the cool thing about it is we, it's hard for us to realize this, but heaven, there's no pain. There's no sorrow. There's no suffering. So you're just, there's no distraction. You're just there and it's God and you're worshiping. And there's nothing to take away from that. And so on earth, this is the only place where we can actually bring him an intentional offering of worship, where we can choose to bring worship out of a place that doesn't feel like it. Like in heaven, you won't be able to offer God worship out of pain. You won't be able to offer God worship out of grief. You won't be able to offer him worship out of anything that doesn't feel like heaven, right? Because heaven doesn't have any of those things. So only on earth... Can you bring God a sacrifice of praise out of a place of pain, out of a place of hardship, out of a place of sickness, out of a place of anxiety? And that's a really powerful offering. And I have to think that that really ministers to the Lord's heart when we do that because we're so intentionally choosing to bring him something in a moment that where we maybe don't understand everything or it doesn't feel the way that it's supposed to and we're still choosing to bring him worship. This is the only place, the only time in eternity that we'll be able to do that, just this little window. 
And I think that that's really beautiful. And so I want to encourage you guys to think about that um, as you're coming into worship. If you're coming from a place that doesn't really feel worshipful, that that's still a place that he wants to receive you. You know, that's still a place where you have something valuable to bring because you're choosing to bring it, because you're making a conscious choice to honor him in that. One other note about this idea of bringing worship out of a place of pain, uh, Rita Springer, who wrote that song Defender that we sang today, the first song, she said that when your life fractures, when you have uh, some sort of thing in your life that causes pain, it releases a sound, which makes sense, right? If you break something, it makes a sound. And if you can capture that sound and turn it into worship, it's some of the most powerful prophetic worship that you can have. And if you think about song like Defender, you know, when I thought I lost me, you knew where I left me. You reintroduced me to your love, picked up all my pieces, put me back together. You're the defender of my heart. Probably didn't write that out of a season of everything being nice and happy and easy and comfortable. You know, that's like, you're in a bad place, and you turn to the Lord, and he put you back together, which is kind of like 90% of the Psalms, right? <laughs> like, I called to the Lord in my distress, and he heard me, and he rescued me, and he set me on high. That's most of the Psalms is David's in a bad place, and God pulls him out. And so that sound that you can capture in that place is so unique and so powerful when you're able to offer it to the Lord. So another way that we access heaven's atmosphere is through giving thanks. So if you look at uh, Psalm 100, you guys should have that back there. In the Passion Translation, it says, lift up a great shout of joy to the Lord. In other translations, this says, make a joyful noise. But when you look at the actual root, it's like, shout like you've defeated an enemy. Like you do when your football team wins, right? So like, make a joyful noise means lift up a great shout. Go ahead and do it, everyone everywhere. As you serve him, be glad and worship him. Sing your way into his presence with joy. So if you're like, how do I get into the presence of God? Sing your way in. Thank your way in. You'll see. We'll get there. So sing your way into his presence with joy and realize what this really means. We have the privilege of worshiping the Lord, our God, for he's our creator. We belong to him. We are the people of his pleasure. You can pass through his open gates with the password of praise. You can come right into his presence with thanksgiving. Bring your thank offering to him and affectionately bless his beautiful name, I love this. For the Lord is always good and ready to receive you. He's so loving, it will amaze you. So kind, it will astound you. And he's famous for his faithfulness to all. Everyone knows our God can be trusted, for he keeps his promises to every generation. So this is the God we're worshiping. And I love that this psalm points out, it's a privilege to worship. It really is a privilege to worship God. It's all of creation is longing to get to do what we're doing, you know? It's as if we don't worship, the rocks will cry out, but, like, we're worshiping, and they're longing to participate in what we're getting to do. It's a privilege. And so I love this picture that we can pass right through his open gates with the password of praise. And I looked into this a little bit. So when you look at 
that verse that talks about other translations say, um, enter his presence with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And the word for thanks here is the Hebrew word yada, which means to revere or worship, give thanks or praise, to celebrate, to confess, or to lift your hands. So you're entering in with this sense of thanksgiving, and you can be confessing things, you can be thanking him for things, you can be lifting your hands. Praise is this word tehillah that's a song or a hymn of praise or a spontaneous expression of a spiritual song. So some of what Romy was doing tonight, like when she leaves those spaces and it's quiet and a little bit awkward, it's making room for spontaneous song. Because when you're entering him, his uh, gates with the password of praise, it's spontaneous song. It's your song that's in your heart coming out. And the offering of thanks is also called a sacrifice of praise. And so how often do you have to say thank you when it's like challenging? Like maybe someone, you know, does something really nice for you and you're like, thank you. You know, like it's, have you ever had to say thank you to someone and you're like, this takes a sacrifice for me to thank you. Um, it's, there is a place where thanks is a sacrifice. It shouldn't necessarily be that way for the Lord because he's like so incredible. But if you don't know what to do in those spontaneous moments, these verses are giving you some clues because all of these words for praise, the reason I'm breaking them out like this is because I want you to see that there's lots of different ways to worship. There's lots of different ways to praise. So some of it's be clamorously foolish. Some of it is say thank you. Some of it's sing spontaneously. Some of it's raise your hands. There's lots of different ways to engage. So that brings us to this idea that worship is not just singing. It's not just for the people on the stage. It can be speaking. It can be declaring, shouting, clapping, dancing, painting, groaning, making instrumental music. Releasing your sound can change the atmosphere. It's interesting because uh, I looked into this Psalm 149 that talks about, um, I don't think we have time to go through the whole thing, but it basically says that God's it says, his godly lovers triumph in the glory of God, and their joyful praises will rise even while others sleep. God's high and holy praises fill their mouths, for their shouted praises are their weapons of war. These warring weapons will bring vengeance on every opposing foe and resisting power to bind kings with chains and rulers with iron shackles. Praise-filled warriors will enforce the judgment doom decreed on their enemies. This is the glorious honor that God gives to all of his godly lovers. Hallelujah, praise the Lord. So this is like pretty intense like warfare kind of verse, right? We're talking about having swords and fighting enemies and doing all this stuff. But if you look into it, the King James, which I do love sometimes, says, let the saints be joyful in glory and let them sing aloud upon their beds. That's the context for all of this fighting is you're laying in bed singing. And the sing aloud is actually the sound of a rushing wind or a shout or a cry or vibrating your voice. So it could literally be laying in bed going, hmm, thinking about the Lord. And that might sound weird, but it says that that is a two-edged sword in your hand that's doing warfare against your enemies. So it's not necessarily about having a good voice and being able to sing a spontaneous song that rhymes. It's about making a sound with your voice to the Lord, and he is using that to fight our enemies. Just like Defender talks about, like, 
before I knew it, you went out and fought my war and came back with the head of my enemy. That's what this is talking about. You're laying in bed and whatever your sound is, even, can you imagine how much it could change our lives? And I need to do this too. If we lay there about to go to sleep and we were just like, oh, Lord, I love you. Thank you. Hmm. Hmm. What do I have in my heart to let out to you? Maybe it's a groan, something that's vibrating inside of you. You know, vocal cords make sound by rubbing together, by vibrating. And so, and they do that because of wind. (laughs) You let your breath out, it vibrates your vocal cords and you hear a sound. And so that's what they're talking about. Another thing that can change the atmosphere. So releasing a sound can change the atmosphere. Movement and dance can change the atmosphere. And I know this can get a little awkward. I'm not a great dancer. So I'm not going to stand up here and be like, you got to do some cool moves to change the atmosphere. But moving your body, this is part of what I was talking about with us. Romans 12, where like your body is a living sacrifice. There is a really powerful place where dance can change the atmosphere. Uh, there's an awesome father in worship named Ray Hughes. And if you want to learn anything about worship, look up anything that Ray Hughes talks about. He's amazing. But he calls dance sculpting the air and recognizing, oh, God's not being worshiped over here. Now he is. And you're like, oh, there's something in the atmosphere over here that feels restrained. How do we, how do we get breakthrough there? Maybe it just needs some movement. Maybe you just need to move a little bit. There's something about dance that can bring a lot of freedom in 2 Samuel 6, 14, a lot of you guys, I think, are familiar with the story, but David danced before the Lord with all his might, right? Are you guys familiar with this story, kind of? So David's bringing the tabernacle back to Jerusalem. They have not had the presence of God in their city for years. And David's bringing it back. And in that day, when a conquering king would bring the spoils of his victory back home, he would make the defeated king dance in his underwear or naked or pretty somewhere in there in the front like a fool, right? So like the defeated king would be dancing around in the front of the army while all the victory comes behind him. David was the conquering king, bringing the tabernacle home, the glory of the true conquering king of Israel in the presence of God was coming behind him and he chose to put himself in that place of humility and dance like a crazy person in front of the Lord's glory coming in. And what's so fun to me about this is I think just like we think about heaven being like we're playing on a nice little harp, I think we think about King David like that sometimes. Like, oh, he was just this cute kid out in the field. He had some little lambs and like played a little harp and, you know, he was kind of cute. David was like, hardcore warrior king. He fought so many battles that the Lord told him he couldn't build the temple because he had so much blood on his hands. I was thinking about this this week, prepping about it. It's like, I think David's more like a Jason Momoa, if you guys know who he is. Like, maybe not that tall, because I don't think he was super tall, but like not your conventional good-looking, but probably pretty strong. He freaking wrestled a bear with his bare hands. Like, he was not weak. He was not like a hipster emo kid in the corner with his guitar. He was a really hardcore warrior king, super intense. He was able to rip wild animals apart with his bare hands. He could throw a stone and a slingshot hard enough to kill like an eight or nine foot giant. Like That's pretty intense. He was really, really, really like manly, masculine, warrior dude, probably had big muscles, crowns, 
huge robe from all of his victories. He was not like some skinny kid. He was a serious king. And he was out in front of the tabernacle, halaling, like that word we talked about before, dancing, raving, being clamorously foolish. And it's sad because it talks about his wife looking out the window and seeing him dance and being like, that's not very kingly. Oh, I'm not sure that I want everyone seeing you in your underwear. Like, this is awkward. You know, and she saw what he was doing and judged him and ended up becoming barren. It's a super sad story. But I want to bring that up because it's so important that we don't judge the way that other people worship. Because you do not know what kind of breakthrough God is doing in that person or in the room by someone getting a little clamorously foolish. And you don't even know what your moment of being foolish can do in that kind of moment. Um, Dancing is something that's super powerful. I've experienced a lot of breakthrough in my life, even just feeling like I'm in a funk and like dancing around like a crazy person in my living room. And it can break stuff off of you just moving your body. It's really, really, really powerful. Uh, I want you guys to hear in this that your voice, your contribution, voice doesn't necessarily mean like, la, 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 like singing voice. Like what you have inside of you is extremely, extremely valuable to release, not only for yourself, but for all of us when we're in a corporate setting, for the city, for the country, for the community, for your workplace, letting that out, kind of like Clayton was talking about with the sprinklers. I really thought this when Kat was sharing it earlier, because if you have a yard where all the sprinklers are running except one, you're still going to end up with a dry patch because there are things that, that spring, only that sprinkler can reach that none of the other ones can. That's why they're there. And so what you bring into your atmosphere is really vital, and it really affects what happens here, what happens in your community, what happens in your family, your home, your work. And so I want you guys to think about that. You don't really know what that's doing in the bigger picture for you just to lift your voice. And sometimes it only takes one. My roommate and I were talking about this earlier, and she was like, oh, this would be a great example. She's like, you know, we're at a really bad wedding, and no one wants to go on the dance floor. And it's, like, awkward, because, like, you know you're supposed to dance, but, like, no one does. And now one person gets out there and is like, we're doing this thing, we're going to dance. And then it breaks open for the whole room, and everyone dances. Because sometimes it just takes one person shouting or thanking or raising their hands, or singing, or whatever, to break it open for the whole room. I had, (laughs) I had a really funny example of this. I uh, went to the One Thing Conference at IHOP, the International House of Prayer, not the pancake place, and there were 30,000 young people there. We were all worshiping together. It was really incredible, wild, and crazy stuff was happening during the actual One Thing Conference with all of the young people. People were I mean, I saw people covered in gold dust. I mean, all the crazy stuff was going on. It was wild. And um, one of my friends got so heavy in worship. She's like five feet tall. It took six of us to carry her out of the room. Like, that kind of stuff was going on. It was really fun, but like intense. And everybody was worshiping, and it was super free. And then we went into, as soon as that ended, they started a leadership summit. And I was working with ministry, and went to this leadership summit. So it's all pastors and ministry leaders. And it was like, nobody would go past this row. 
where we'd been at one thing where everyone's like crazy, wild, and worshiping, and we came to this leadership summit, and like no one was in the front worshiping. And I was super sick. It was like Kansas City in the middle of the winter, which is just miserable anyway. And I was really, really sick, and I was sitting down during worship. I didn't have any voice. And I was like, Lord, what's going on? Like, why is the front empty? And he's like, well, somebody needs to break through. And I was like, yeah, that's nice. (laughs) And I had a picture in my mind of myself. I kid you not. I saw this picture of me full on like Julie Andrews in The Sound of Music, like spinning around with my arms out and my head back. And I was like, (laughs) no, (laughs) like I'm not doing that. That's ridiculous. And I felt like the Lord was like, well, you wanted to know. Like you noticed that there was a need for breakthrough. I'm telling you how to get breakthrough. And I was like, that's cool. And so I kept like waiting and waiting. So I was like, I do not want to do this. No one would come to the front at all the whole time, which was super unusual. And then I saw this one lady go out and do this like very pretty, very worshipy dance. And I was like, oh, you asked someone else. And he was like, no, I didn't ask her. She just likes to do that. You're not off the hook. I was like, oh, dang it. And so then it was like ending and I felt bad. Like I really missed my moment to obey the Lord. And he's like, what if you're the only person that I put this thing on to open up the room? Like, are you just going to sit there if maybe I won't give it to someone else to do? Maybe I won't ask anyone else to do it. I'm asking you. And I was like, okay. And it was ending. They brought out the podium and I was like, I missed my moment. I was like, well, if they play one more song, I'll go do it. And all of a sudden they're like, like a fast song. And I was like, dang. So I walked up to the front. It was, oh, and this little Irish lady that I only saw that one time, she was like, you want to dance a jig? And I was like, okay. And she grabbed me and spun me around and let me go. And I was just in the middle of the room like this. And I was like, well, here we go. And I just started like spinning like this all the way across the room. And I finished and I was really sick and I was so dizzy. I was like, what's happening? And I was like, because like this is how sick I was, and I'm like bleary-eyed looking, and people are rushing the front, like literally the whole front filled up with people, and they kept worshiping and doing stuff, and I was like, wow, I went and sat in my seat, and I was like, I can't breathe, and I only tell you that because like it's not about like how you feel, it wasn't me being anything special, because I mean, I was something special, but (laughs) not that, not that I, you know, but that the Lord can use our obedience to break something open for a room that needs it. And like, maybe you're the person that he put it on just for that moment. And I think sometimes it's easy for us to be like, oh, well, if I don't do it, he'll ask somebody else. Not always. Because maybe like your voice, the thing that you carry is the voice that needs to release that. Maybe there's something about what you have that will actually make that breakthrough happen. And so I really want to encourage you guys in that. Your voice is not only about you and changing your atmosphere. It's about changing the whole room. Uh, One other quick thing that I thought was really cool, when David brings the tabernacle back, we could go for days on the tabernacle of David, so I'm not really getting into that, but he sets up this worship house 24-7 for 33 years, and he hires people that were professional, full-time thankers, praisers and rememberers. People, their whole job, full-time, they made their own instruments. I mean, it's a really, really cool thing on the Tabernacle of David. But some people, their whole job in worship was just to thank. Some people, their whole job was to praise. Some people, their job was to write down the spontaneous songs and the thanks and the things. How do you think we have the Psalms? 
like David would come to the tabernacle and start singing this stuff out and someone would be like writing it down. And so there might even be times when the Lord moves on you, like write this down, you know, and like that's also part of worship. Like all of these things play a part. So just to think about something spontaneous quickly and I'll, I'll land this plane. So with that spontaneous worship, I feel like sometimes that's where it's hard for us to know how to engage. So I want to give you guys some practical things about when we're in these spontaneous moments of worship where you have the opportunity and it's kind of quiet and everybody's like, what am I supposed to be doing right now? Uh, the way that you can connect with the Lord and help bring breakthrough not only for yourself and your atmosphere, but the room, I would say the first way to do that is just to fix your attention on the Lord. Because a lot of worship is just looking at him. Because when we put our attention on him, then we can do like the living creatures and all these guys. And we're like, oh, wow, that's who you are. And worship just comes. So focusing on him, fixing your attention on him, and then give a voice to whatever is rising in your heart. Whether it's a song, a movement, a prayer, a thanks, whatever that looks like, whatever you're feeling, let that out of your heart in that moment. And that is the worship that it's actually, I believe that word is the worship that he dwells in. Like, it's a really powerful place of worship. When in doubt, when you're like, gosh, I'm just not getting anything, say thanks. It's how we enter, right? There is something, no matter how bad your life is going, there's something that you can give thanks to the Lord for. Even if it's just like, your mercies are new every morning, which is good because I need them, you know? Whatever that looks like, you have something you can be thankful for, Think of an attribute of God to meditate on. Like, one thing I thought was really, really cool about the burning creatures, the seraphim at the beginning, this guy's going, holy, 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 to him. And this guy's going, holy, holy, holy. They're singing it to each other, which can, in a sense, be what corporate worship is like. You know, we're reminding each other, we're reminding the room about who he is. And so think about an attribute of God to, to meditate on. He never changes. He loves us. His door is open. He sent Jesus. Like, whatever it is, pick something about him. There's a lot of things. And focus on that and meditate on it. And even just say it out loud, like, oh, God, you're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. I mean, if you really don't have anything to say, holy, holy, holy seems to be a pretty good place to start, you know? And if you're sitting there going, holy, mm, holy, 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 that's going to do something in you. It's going to change your atmosphere. It's going to change the room. So uh, the other thing you can do is sing along with the spontaneous song of the leader. So sometimes the worship leader will have a song that is just in that moment and that can bring breakthrough in that moment if everyone joins in on. So maybe it's just like, we surrender, and they're singing that same phrase over and over, you can start singing that phrase, because that's a thing to sing. You don't have to, but you can. And lastly, I would say, if you are at a loss for what to do in a spontaneous moment, you can sing in tongues. If you speak in tongues, if that's a thing for you, you can always sing out in your prayer language as well. Um, so I just want to leave us with the thought that if our corporate worship is bringing heaven to earth, joining with the angels, then we're like singing back and forth to each other, holy, 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 like the angels do. And let's think about like what that would do in our lives, in our city, in our community, 
if we were to engage that atmosphere. And then let's be intentional. Let's be infectious with the atmosphere of heaven. Let's be intentional about cultivating that in our lives because good worship is not about having a good leader or a good band. It's about having a room that's engaged. Like if you come in with the atmosphere of heaven in your life, the whole room will be more connected to the atmosphere of heaven. Like having good worship doesn't have to do with good sound, with having the lyrics up, with having the leader be on key, with the songs that they chose. It has to do with each of us engaging our hearts with heaven and joining our sound into that and bringing the atmosphere of heaven to earth. Can I pray really quick? Awesome. Father, thank you so much that we have the privilege of worshiping you, that we get the opportunity that you made a way for us to access the atmosphere of heaven. So I thank you so much that we get to do that, and I ask that you would give us the wisdom, the understanding, that you even just remind us of ways to access this as we go forward. We just thank you so much, and we invite more of the atmosphere of heaven to come into our lives in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us today. For more resources like this or to find information about our weekly services, visit seashorechurch.com.